Hello guys, welcome to our show, good people, welcome! By the way, I don't want to discriminate bad people, welcome to our show as well. Anyone who wanna learn more about enterprise SEO, welcome, because we today discuss this topic with Amanda King, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, thank you, how are you? How's your morning then? Or is it morning for you? It's morning for me. Oh, it's evening, it's uh, Monday evening, you have Tuesday morning, so yes. it's why I love connecting with people in different countries because it doesn't matter what kind of day it's better to learn and get value Amanda before we start just tell more about yourself experience background what kind of different experience you have with e-commerce SEO and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you. Yeah, absolutely. So I have been working in SEO since 2010, so over a decade now. Um, I started in the United States, worked agency side. I also worked at some startups. And then I worked at Optus, which is one of the two major telco companies in Australia. So if you had a phone plan, it was probably with Telstra or Optus, who I was working for. And I worked there for three years. So I um, learned the ins and outs of enterprise very quickly and was working on their mobile phone division. So I was I was the one behind all of the iPhone launches in September and things like that. Um, so that was a lot of what I did. And I have a business and a writing background as well. So I, I come from a very business-minded perspective when it comes to SEO, which didn't come into the industry until uh, maybe five or six years ago, really. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Love your experience. Yeah. Amanda, uh, yeah, I think, you know, your hair probably touches a microphone. So sometimes we have such noise. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, right now it's good. Right now it's good. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Amanda, I of love course. your experience. Uh, uh, and you have this business background. Uh, can you t- tell how this business background can help you with e-commerce SEO? And uh, what kind of difference we have between uh, common SEO that we have today, uh, content marketing, uh, backlinks, uh, anything? Uh, and uh, what is the main difference between e-commerce SEO? Sure. Um E-commerce and enterprise SEO, they both have their own um, little kind of niche areas, right? So e-commerce SEO, um, a lot of times is a lot more about the customer than you think it is, um, mm-hmm. because the what you have to work with, right, in terms of evergreen categories are the, the product categories, um, if you turn through individual categories a lot, that can be that can be a challenge for SEO. So you have to think from a business perspective and say, okay, what what verticals do I want to focus in? What types of products do I always want to be, be offering? And that's kind of what you'll optimize for. And that's kind of where that business background comes in because you want that planning and you want to be able to say, okay, what what's going to work for my business long-term, what's giving me margin, what makes the most sense, how easy is it for me to get stock of these things. Like that's where the business headspace comes in from an e-commerce perspective. From an enterprise perspective, um, a lot of the business experience and thinking about business rather than SEO comes in because the people above you have business backgrounds and they're thinking about business and they're thinking about um, how do I make the business more profitable? So 
if you want to be successful in SEO at an enterprise level, it's really important that when you're talking to your managers and the people that are making decisions, that you think about things in a business perspective rather than talking about, oh, this search, this keyword has 10,000 monthly searches a month. No one cares. They want to know how much revenue is that going to get me? How much margin is that going to get me? How much profit is that going to get me? Um, and, you know, if it's less than um, $2,000 a month, it, it, I don't, it's a blip in, in the machine. It doesn't, it doesn't affect me. I don't care. So um, it, from an enterprise perspective, the business background helps you kind of reframe your discussions and the language that you use. From an e-commerce perspective, business helps you understand um, the areas that are important for you to focus on from a kind of product vertical and an opportunity perspective. Nice. Love it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I couldn't agree more because, you know, I, I often see when webmasters chase high volume, you know, opening SEMrush, iCHRFs. When they see this high volume, they can feel, wow, I want this traffic, I want to get it. But it's hard. It's really hard to promote high uh, volume keywords uh, because you compete with Wikipedia, many other great brands. Uh, in the second, it doesn't mean that you can sell by having these keywords. And once I spoke with a master who lost 400,000 traffic because Google dropped his ranking positions, but he didn't lose any sales. So he got a lot of traffic that didn't convert. Amanda, let's talk about that. Uh, you mentioned about planning, uh, strategy. Can you tell how to create the right strategy for e-commerce websites, considering that we need to use content marketing as well? I remember when Seth Godin said that uh, content marketing is one marketing left. So I think everyone needs to consider content marketing, but we need to sell. So can you tell how to unite them? Uh, yeah, so before, before we get into that, I did want to just add one more thing to our earlier conversation point. I think this may be scandalous coming from someone who's, who's been in SEO for over a decade, but I think part of the business perspective comes in as well in understanding the other marketing channels that will work and be important for your business. Because as, as you gave an example of the person whose um, traffic dropped 400,000 because of a, a keyword or whatever that, that specifically was, um, it's mind blowing. And if you, don't have, um, if you don't have safety nets in other um, marketing channels, like if you're not doing any paid, if you're not doing any social, if you're not working on anything else, um, that can really destroy your business as well. So it's, again, it's having that business sense to be like, okay, what other channels are relevant for my business and what can I focus on? But to get back to your, um, your question now in terms of how to create a strategy, I agree, content is really important and content amplification is really important. And I am someone who has... Um, gone away from looking at keywords specifically in the past 18 months to two years, I don't really look at individual keywords anymore because they can be so um, personalized sometimes, right? So I think 
one thing that everyone should have, whether or not it's formally written down or is just kind of in their head is who their target audience is, right? Because that is, that is who you're going to be creating content for and that's whose questions you're going to be answering. So creating a strategy, you wanna create a strategy kind of around them and around your customer. Um, at the end of the day, that's really what matters. And um, I tend to go to non-internet sources to find my content ideas first. So I'll talk to the sales team, I'll talk to the customer service team, I'll ask them what questions people are asking them because if we can answer those questions earlier in the earlier in the their experience and earlier in their journey, the more trusted they'll see us as. Um, so that's generally how I approach creating content and then Strategically, I look at the content that I've already created, um, figure out what's working and what levers um, pe people have when they're looking at your content. So the things that um, convert more, like, for example, if you're a car company, people may care a lot more about safety or maybe they care a lot more about speed. We don't know. So um, going into your already existing content and mining it for what already works and for what people convert more off of. So in Google Analytics, Universal Analytics, there was a metric called page value. And that was one of my big identifiers for finding these clusters of topics of information. Whereas in GA4, that's a metric that you would have to create for yourself. But the concept is still similar and still available. What what content kind of contributes more than the average to a person converting. Um, so that, that's where I start. And then I kind of build the strategy from there. And one thing that I look at as well is, is what I call chaos factors, the things that you have no control over, but could entirely screw things up. So maybe that's, so if I was, if I was still at Optus, I would say, okay, um, basically everything that happened in, in 2020, right. Where they're like, we actually can't produce the phones on time. So we're doing two launches instead of one, those kind of um, scenarios where you're like, okay, what are the things that could, could really throw a spanner in the works for us? And just having that awareness and that acknowledgement as well. So those are the two elements of, of generally how I will create that strategy. Nice. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Valuable. And uh you know, I like your voice, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, you. you know, I enjoy listening to you, you know, because of this, of your voice, <laughs> sounds you. good for me. And uh, Amanda, I want to ask you about, for example, if I learn yeah. my customers and understand mm -hmm. my audience preferences, but in the end we have keywords and uh, keywords are related to what people are looking for online. So probably uh, we can have different goals, different purposes. Can you tell how to differentiate or, for example, to choose the right keywords? For example, if I use SEMrush, I can get thousand keyword ideas, sometimes hundred thousand, sometimes million uh, keyword ideas. A lot. Let's imagine, I don't know, any topic, how to learn French. Yeah, uh, learn French, you can find a lot of ideas, learn French, I don't know, by listening, by speaking, for free. Uh, yeah, many different keyword ideas. So, how do I know that these keywords are related to my audience, that these keywords mm. can help my audience? Because, you know, if I have 
uh, one type of audience, but people are looking for keywords that have value, that have, uh, I don't know, paid marketers are willing to pay money for getting this traffic, but uh, how to relate them to my audience? Mm. Yeah, that's that's always it's always a bit of a challenge, right? Um, yeah. So so for me, I this is this may sound like a lazy answer, but I promise you, it's not. I I generally will do everything in my power to like put myself in the mind of my customer. Just be like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm Mary. I'm a forty year old mother of three, and I'm looking to buy a new pair of shoes. For myself what do i care about you know i have i will always probably be carrying a child so heels probably aren't the best thing but like i i go through that ex, that mental exercise of okay i am i am my persona what do i care about and if i'm having trouble stepping into that person that's when i'll, I'll go back to like the sales team or the customer service team and be like what are what are the things that you're asking because the, your own information is so valuable um, and it, it gives you so much of a filter over the kinds of things that you focus on because you really only want to focus on the things that your customers care about. From an SEMrush perspective, I will also look at um, the, the query type, whether it's informational, navigational, commercial, and find a balance um, and look at, okay, I've got Currently, right, um, I'm looking at queries that are 80% navigational, um, or sorry, 80% informational and 30% commercial. Does that make sense? So honestly, a lot of it is kind of gut and experience. And after you've been doing it for a while, you get a feel for kind of what makes sense, um, which isn't, <laughs> may, not be, may not be the best answer. I'd love to hear how, how you do it. And I'm happy to to play off of that as well, because I'm sure we would be able to kind of learn from each other and and add that in. Uh, yeah, by the way, I know how uh, this metric uh, called, it's uh, intuition, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I love this metric, you know, when you have experience. Um, yeah, I usually check out uh, keywords. And for mm-hmm. me, the most important metric is uh, traffic value, you know, uh, mm-hmm. how much marketers are paying for these keywords. And the second, of course, to check out content in the top 10. So if I see this content is related to my customers, to my products, then I can jump with that. So it's just a manual job and uh, Mm -hmm. by using tools. You know, tools can help to find a list. And yeah, manual job to find content that are related, yeah. And absolutely, that is that is one thing I neglected to add. You absolutely want to look at the search results as well. As as amazing yep. as tools like SEMrush and Ahrefs are, um, and most of the time they they will have the search results displayed. There is there's something different about like typing it into the search by yourself and actually looking at the search results. Um, it's a different experience. And for the keywords that you are kind of on the fence as to whether or not you want to target or are considering targeting, I do think it's really important to actually look at the search results, right? Because um, you then you'll also see like, okay, there are three ads here. So on, on a desktop page, we only see the people also ask and the first three results organically. So, um, you know, this is more competitive than I am led to believe by the 
um, competitive and the difficulty score or whatever it may be, because people only actually see like three out of 10 search results or whatever it may be. So I think that's, that's important as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and for the other content that's ranking, but I think, I think the thing to remember with the, the content that's ranking, right. Is you shouldn't and don't necessarily need to create something that is directly in line with the top first, second or third ranking uh, content. If it's not going to be specifically what your customers need, because machines, which Google is a machine, machines are only as good as the information that you feed it, right? So Google could be serving these results because they are the best of the worst, not because they are the best of the best. So I think that's something that's important to remember as well. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Love it, love it. Uh, By the way, you remind me Jeff Bezos, you know, once. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, I remember when I read an article uh, when the research team came to Jeff and uh, asked him to give more time to research, uh, collect data about a new product. And he denied. He told, guys, we have enough data. We need to test and experiment. And this product was Alexa. Today, most homes in the US have this uh, gadget. You know, so um, uh, Jeff has intuition, you know, <laughs> to recognize that it's enough data and it's better to test and experiment. Yeah, love intuition. And I know some marketers uh, never use, uh, probably they use data, but they use more intuition experience of uh, recognizing what actually works for them. And I spoke with many of them, uh, for example, um, uh, uh, Bridget Heisen. Uh, she has on LinkedIn like 4 million followers. Uh, she's a well-known influencer in uh, recruiting niche and uh, when she asked me about uh, LinkedIn algorithms I was surprised wow <laughs> you have 4 million followers and you ask me about how it works <laughs> because you know uh, I found that uh, big influencers many of them don't care a lot about keywords about uh, something they have experience and can consider this experience uh, and yeah it's intuition okay Amanda Let's talk about creating high-quality content, but it's not only about quality, it's more about uh, creating non-boring content. You know, let me explain why I'm asking about that, because we have this bounce rate. It's high. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of content. YouTube videos, TikTok videos, website content. Uh, People bounce fast if you can't catch their attention. So you need to give a hook and retain them uh, as maximum as possible. So can you tell about creating non-boring content and share value? Because, you know, even if you share value on your content, it doesn't mean it's uh, (laughs) non-boring. So any tips about that? Yeah, look, I think a lot of it comes back to what we've been talking about a lot of this time, which is intent and Mm -hmm. looking at the actual search results because there has been this misguided thing in SEO, I would say probably for the, well, I mean, for the whole of SEO, right? That the longer the content, the better. Um, When probably nine times out of 10, that's not the case. People just want the answer to the question that they put into Google. 
because regardless of whether or not there is a question mark in a search, it's always a question. Like they're always trying to find an answer to something. And I apologize for the, the sirens outside. It's, a, ah, it's an early always, morning yeah. apparently. Um, <laughs> but um, it is, I think it's, it's really important to remember that all the person is looking for is an answer. So you want to provide exactly the kind of content that they need, right? So people, people kind of consume and understand concepts differently, right? So some people to come back to the, to the, to the boot or the shoe example, right? Um, if someone is, is looking for a very kind of technical hiking boot, let's say, um, someone may really want a video that is okay, how to, how to decide which hiking boot is, is right for you. And then the expert in the video will go through and be like, okay, if you have highly arched feet, you want something like this. If you have flat feet, you want something like this, la-di-da-di-da, right? Um, or someone, may, someone else may want an article um, that's really thorough and really specific, or someone else may want an infographic or images. And that's when you kind of, sometimes you sit down and you create all of that content. And that is, again, based on that combination of, okay, what is already in search results? Is Google prioritizing one type of content over the other? Um, or, you know, what, what do your customers ask about? What do they say they need? Um, what are, what are, what are they coming back to your EDMs being like, hey, I'd really love a video of this or, you know, those kinds of things. So I think intent, but through a slightly different lens in terms of how people prefer to receive it is really important. Um, and answering the question. Um, so I didn't go to journalistic school, but I wrote a lot of essays and I wrote a lot of things um, for, for uni because I studied business and English lit. So one of the things that I, I did, and I do a lot with my emails still is, so I end up writing basically a whole first draft, right? And then I take the last paragraph that I write, read through it and like, okay, this is actually what I'm trying to say here. And I bring it up to the top. Um, so there's, there's the whole framework of, of, you know, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, tell them what you told them. So being really kind of clear about the focus of the content. Um, but in terms of creating not boring content, there are so many industries that have such interesting information. And again, I think that's where a lot of, a lot of SEOs are not necessarily taking advantage of the data and the information that their company is already collecting. Every company will have some really interesting statistics that are unique to them. And, and those kind of things, as I'm sure you've shared, right, are great to package up in, in statistics articles that can be really um, well received by media because they're, they're busy and they're looking for, okay, you know, how many people got married in the United States this year? Like how many weddings were delayed because, because of COVID or, or whatever that may be. And, if you're in the, in the wedding industry, you may have those statistics. Um, so I think those kinds of like looking from your own business and the company that you work for in different, um, from different angles as well, because there may be some really interesting data there that you didn't think about. 
Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, you mentioned many times about mm. users, customers, collect data, you know, something like this. You know, uh, uh, it's interesting that like 10 years ago, when I started my first online projects, uh, I didn't consider users because we created content for search engines. Google ranked well, we got traffic, but things change many times. We started to learn more <laughs> about users. And uh, today, I think it's uh, not a good idea trying to satisfy algorithms. Of course, we need we need to consider Google, but uh, Google changes algorithms so often. Uh, if I remember like uh, some numbers, 7,000 times a year, Google can change some of them. Slight changes, we can feel them. Some uh, core uh, updates that everyone is speaking about that but you know uh okay for example i collected data i have data about my customers let's imagine they were they wanna have good price uh, safety guarantee refund policy i don't know uh, some features uh but can you tell how to find the balance between having uh data about your customers they they care about that and uh creating landing pages or product pages uh because you know i see when websites overwhelm content for example if you open landing page you don't know what to to do you know because so uh, a lot of data for example from home page they're trying to sell almost all their products uh, if i open apple.com i only see iphone that's it nothing new uh, you know, if I scroll down, I can find something else. Uh, but in the first visible screen, only iPhone. Uh, I don't see uh, some parameters like uh, characteristic, like, uh, I don't know, uh, 128 gigabytes, uh, colors, because uh, Apple found what people care about. Make a difference. Very simple. Uh, if you are geek, you can find this information. On the website, you need to scroll, to click. You can find specifics. And uh, I remember first, uh, uh, that was uh, how it's called, iPod. iPod, yeah. When uh, mm. Steve Jobs uh, told about this gadget, uh, like you can have thousand songs in your pocket. He didn't share you have 10 gigabyte in your pocket or 100 gigabyte. Just thousand. No, it creates the feeling of uh, you can imagine thousand songs yeah very simple so can you tell how to simplify content okay we have data but how to simplify and provide important data for customers and uh, cut the rest <laughs> yeah not, not a not a big question or anything not a big ask yeah. no i i think <laughs> um i think a lot of that comes down to testing and learning as a business mm-hmm. um so that's where conversion rate optimization and working with user experience designers can be really important because user experience designers are people who have experience in user design are are trained on on how people's brains work and how they think and how they scan so i i am not that expert right i dabble in it i have a basic understanding of it but most people in seo are not the person who will be able to understand 
how a person actually kind of works their way through a website and the things that they pay attention to and the areas that they focus on and, and how to capture their attention. So uh, that I think is important, but to get back to something that we can control, right, is, is testing. And it's a lot of testing and learning and a lot of iteration. I would imagine behind the scenes at, at Apple, right, there are quite a few um, thrown away kind of first drafts of how to introduce the iPod, right? Um, so we don't always necessarily see the work that goes in behind the scenes to those kinds of simplifications. It's a lot of testing, a lot of learning. So I think as an SEO, you don't want to be afraid of A-B testing. You want to embrace it and, and learn it as a business owner. If you're a business owner before you're an SEO, I think testing is is a really great way to to learn and understand what resonates with your customers if you don't have um, that kind of aggregate demographic data available to you or that kind of real deep well of customer service information um, and one of the big avenues right for a b testing is paid and google ads um, and you can iterate and work through that really really quickly so Again, as an SEO, embracing um, paid and the speed of, or Facebook or Instagram or the other biddable platforms where you can A-B test and see results with relative speed, um, that is where you can kind of crystallize your messaging and say, okay, I know that people want, people want to hear about the the way that this product will make them feel. They don't care about the specs. They don't care about the detail. They just wanna know, they, they want the vibe, right? Those kinds of things you can learn a lot quicker in biddable platforms like, um, like uh, Google CPC or Facebook ads or Instagram ads. Like you can, you can learn that a lot quicker. So I'd really um, recommend embracing those platforms as well. And I mean, Apple, and, and a lot of other big companies like Nike and things like that, they have, they have a vision. They have a, this is what we stand for. This is who we are. And a lot of times um, e-commerce businesses that are looking to kind of saturate the market, they don't necessarily have that. And, and that, that will work for them up to a certain point. That's why the business has been successful today. But if that business is looking to kind of step change and really grow, then um, it may be time to sit down and say, okay, what do we stand for? Who are we? What is our brand? Um, if that hasn't been done already. Mm -hmm. Nice, so. nice, awesome. Yeah, love it. Okay, Amanda, uh, let's talk about link building. SEOs <laughs> uh, hate link building. Uh, I know because it's not like many years ago. I remember when I ranked uh, high volume keywords, uh, good keywords, valuable keywords because of buying more backlinks than my competitors <laughs> could buy. <laughs> Today, of course, of course, I don't use the strategy anymore for many years because Google changed the rules. Uh, uh, but anyway, how to create or add uh, white hat backlinks to e-commerce pages? Uh, for example, I check out my competitors. I can see they have these backlinks. I need to outrank them. So any tips how to do it? Yeah, I, I think with backlinks, well, at, at Optus, at Enterprise, I was lucky enough to 
to not have to actively seek out backlinks because the business was large enough. And, and most businesses will hit that point where it's like, okay, you've reached the point where you no longer actively need to be building links because it will happen naturally because the business is known, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that is, is an ideal situation for a lot of SEOs because we do yeah. hate backlinks. Um, for other e-commerce businesses though, I think a lot of it comes down to understanding your industry and knowing the publications that are important for your industry um, and trying to contribute to them. Like, I think the, the thing that I always say with link building these days is if Google didn't exist, would you still be building this relationship? And if the answer is no, maybe don't do it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's finding those industry publications to contribute to or have someone write an article for you. It's looking at things like help a reporter out to, to find places where you could be quoted in an article. It's um, building those statistic articles um, and doing digital PR. So I think like, I, I really like the, the concept of digital PR, but if you're a smaller business and you don't necessarily have the money to throw at, um, you know, a real life thing that will get media attention, like, I don't know, if you take over a local square and, um, you know, do it up entirely in your brand and say, hey, today is um, shoe brand X day. Like, if you if you don't have the the capability to, to do those kind of things. I think a lot of it is coming down to knowing your industry and um, not being afraid of being involved in your kind of local area. So um, I think NAP, so name, address, phone, and all those kind of local citations um, are still quite important um, and can, can create quite a lot of um, detail and a lot of kind of backlink visibility um, for your business. And in terms of getting um, product links, I think, again, it comes down to just kind of building those industry relationships because if you're writing a monthly column for a, an industry publication, you'll be able to throw links into your own products every once in a while. Um, so I, I know I, it's, uh, it's not the sexiest advice, but it, it's, it's what, that's what my advice is. You know, I love this point. I love it because, you know, yeah, I agree. You don't need to create backlinks for Google, create for human being. You know, so if people can uh, get value from your backlinks, uh, if they find backlinks open your website because it's valuable, why not? Yeah, uh, Google can recognize it. So I, I think, yeah, it's not a good time to think how to manipulate and game the system because because google have has enough resource resources to recognize <laughs> such activities yeah yeah love it love it so it's better guys to do backlinks if you to build these backlinks if google doesn't exist just think uh if these links can help to build relationships to find customers to create brand awareness so many things yeah love it awesome amanda my next question about your experience. 
let's imagine, you know, uh, iPhone, for example, that uh, I usually get high results with customers who understand SEO. So if they don't, usually tell, take my course, learn from Lily Ray, Mike Phillips, Jeff Coyle, Chelsea Alvis, many other great experts who film videos for my course, share value. And uh, when you get the basic, we can go ahead. If customers don't understand, I can feel it's the same like uh, if someone wanna learn French, but uh, and find the best coach, uh, tutor, teacher, and uh, think that these experts can help you. No, they can't because it depends on you. It's the same with SEO. Uh, you need to understand how to create high quality content, what means high quality content, how to earn these backlinks, many different things, EEAT. Uh, let's imagine, Amanda, you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, completely from scratch. What will you do today to learn more about SEO? Oh, um, well, well, today I would learn ChatGPT. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. I, I think um, content would definitely be something that I would I would look at because it is content is a, is such a different game now, right? It is how do I create that that copy that answers the person's question and also slightly kind of nudges them into a, a commercial mindset to, to buy the thing. Like it's all micro copy and things like that these days because the internet audience is so mature. I would also, while I know this is a bit contentious, I would also make sure that I understand the basics of how HTML, CSS and JavaScript work not necessarily saying I need to sit down and know how to code a website from scratch, but at least understand in theory what is happening with a website because um, speed and, and the way that information is coded within the website, things like schema markup and other rich markup will become so important. I think that if you don't understand that kind of base level, this is how a website is built. And this is kind of how a website functions. I think you'll be missing out in the next five years. Um, but yeah, it would mostly, honestly, it would mostly be content. It would mostly be how do I, how do I write things in a way that is appealing to customers while still answering their question and being functional? And, and how much information did I need? So I think I would probably put a bit more emphasis on understanding testing as well mm -hmm. nice and amanda i have the final question you know yeah. you touched chat gpt you mentioned chat gpt slightly <laughs> just uh remind that we have this tool but you then you change direction how to learn seo and uh, anyway i want to ask you about ai because it's not the future i think it's a regular tool today and most marketers can use it. I use myself. I used before ChatGPT. Today, I think that I can use a lot more. Uh, but, you know, I found uh, when writers, uh, content creators overuse ChatGPT. So they generate generic text like how to play guitar, how, I don't know, how to travel to Turkey. So they create generic prompts 
create generic content uh, and uh, trying to rank this content. But you know, I, I can feel it's the same with many other similar pieces of content. Uh, and uh, uh, I think to, it's important to create something new, valuable, unique, to stand out from the rest because Google can recognize. Uh, users can recognize, even Google can't, users can understand that they can see similar content in the top 10. Uh, can you tell about how to use ChatGPT another way? I mean, like, uh, not overuse, but use with this for the sake of helping of creating high quality content. I think probably one of the smartest ways to use ChatGPT as a writer is not to write the article, but to outline the article and say, mm -hmm. give me an outline for an article about traveling to Turkey um, with you know, three to five headings, et cetera, et cetera, being very specific about what you're looking for um, because it could take you in a, in a topic direction that you didn't expect. Um, and I think that is probably the most valuable. I also use it sometimes to um, to finesse kind of shorter bits of copy. Like if I'm trying to write a, a meta description or something or really kind of micro copy, um, I am not a, I'm not a UX writer, right? I, I can't always get that micro copy correct and really kind of smooth. So sometimes I'll, I'll put that kind of copy into chat GPT and say, Hey, like, smooth this out a bit, like make it, make it sound a bit kind of give it a bit more rhythm or whatever it may be. Um, because you're right. Absolutely. If, if everyone is asking ChatGPT to write an article and then publishing that article without editorial oversight, it's all going to be the same stuff. So it, it has no value in that sense. So I would say yeah, outlines and then kind of finessing smaller copy is, is generally nice. what I do with it at the moment. Yeah. Love it. Love it, Amanda. A big pleasure to get in my show, to learn from you. Uh, I'm so excited to learn from you. You know, uh, that's good that you uh, can find time in the, in the morning, you know, <laughs> in Australia. Tell our audience the best way how to keep learning from you, how to follow you, how to reach out to you. Yeah, sure. So um, feel free to find me on Twitter at Amanda AC King. If you can't find me there, can't reach me there, feel free to follow me on LinkedIn. There are a lot of Amanda Kings. So maybe don't search my name, um, but go for my business name, which is Flock, F-L-O-Q, or you can always email me at Amanda at Flock.co. So that's F-L-O-Q dot C-O. Um, I'm, I'm an open book, always happy for a chat. Nice, nice. Guys, you can find links to Amanda King, to Twitter, to LinkedIn in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. Love it. Welcome back anytime to share more valuable insights. I love it. I will follow you because I need this value. Without value, I don't know how to promote websites online. Okay, guys, love you. See you.